Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Welcome everyone to the Benefits Executive Roundtable. I wanted to start this podcast series with an actual employer roundtable where I've invited a number of employers, large and small, to share with us what matters most to decision makers and why. And I've asked some of these uh, people that I respect greatly to uh, take part in this roundtable so that we can talk about some thought-provoking ideas and talk about some interesting things and concepts and ways you save money and and different things that you can do uh, on the benefits side. First of all, before we get started, I want to introduce everyone here at the roundtable. And Catherine, why don't we start with you? Give us your name and your title and who you work for, and move on to the next. Hey, I'm Catherine Kingston, and I work for American Pacific Forwarders and the controller there, and we are a small employer. Okay. Jim? Uh, My name is Jim Tracy. I'm the CEO of Parkwest Companies, and we're a landscape contractor with about 1,500 employees. Yes. Hi, Dorothy. My name is Bill Struitt. I'm the VP of Finance of a, of a beer distributing company in East Los Angeles, and we also have a distributorship down in the Palm Springs area. And we have about 300 employees. Hi, I'm Andrea Powers, and I am the HR manager with Parkwest Companies. I'm here to accompany Jim. Okay. I'm Ashley Cleary. I am the director of legal affairs, former director of operations for the Institute for Applied Behavior Analysis, and we're a small employer with about 600 employees. Well, most people would not consider that a small employer. Most people would call that a mid-sized employer. Oh, okay, well, I'm a mid-sized employer. <laughs> I agree with you. Okay. Well, thanks all, all of you. Uh, thank you very much for being here today. I, I want to talk about your executive decision-making and how you go about it and the things that, you know, pop into your head and what you're looking for and what, what makes you tick uh, when you're looking at your benefit plans and anything that costs your company a lot of money. We all know that this is a very high percentage of your bottom line. So... I know if I were sitting in your shoes, um, I would want to know the most important thing to me would be what's the best plan that I can offer for the least amount of money. You guys can agree with that or not? I agree. Yes? Yes. Yes? Absolutely. It's at least one of the most important things. If you have others, feel free to tell me. But that's probably one of the most important things. So what I wanted to ask you is if that is the most important thing to you, what are your thoughts? What do you, what do, you do? How do you make these things work? in your own company? What do you do to make decisions? What do you do to save money? Um, let's start with a couple of things. What do you want and what do you need? Well, we want to be able to offer a solid healthcare plan to our employees that is um, attractive to them, just like when you're offering a wage as part of their comp package. You want to be able to offer something that's going to motivate them to want to work for you, to stay with you, to know that you're vesting in them, that they're, that they are, you know, important and that you're thinking of that and that they're possibly healthier because you get a good plan and you have access to healthcare. Um, that's important, but it always weighs out when you're an executive making a decision that's on a large scale, that it weighs out to the cost and what the employer has to contribute in order to offer a, a really robust plan or array of plans to employees and that's that's where it gets <clears throat> a little confusing as the landscape of healthcare keeps changing prices keep going up 
you know, premiums keep changing, deductibles keep changing, all that stuff. Right. You know, because it's like the out-of-pocket stuff is the injury to the employee if you don't offer the right kind of plan to them. Right. To initially get them into the plan. Very good thoughts. Anyone else want to comment? Uh, having just done our insurance renewal, and since I wear the dual hats of finance and HR, um, I'm always looking at the plans that offer the employee the most benefits, taking into consideration any health care issues I know someone may be having. We want to make sure that they're taken care of so that they can get to work. But then the finance side of it says, whoa, that costs a lot. Mm -hmm. And we have to look at the profitability line. So it's a real fine balance in trying to make sure that we're taking care of the employees, but taking care of the company bottom line as well. Having the information, you talk about needs. I need data. I need information. I need to see what the different plans are and who they're going to affect because that makes a big difference to us. Like this year, Kaiser went up a lot. Well, we had to make a decision. Do we keep Kaiser or not when half of our employees were Kaiser? You know, we could change our company-sponsored plan, which is going to change our employees' bottom line. So we had to look at a lot of things and try to figure out what was the best thing for both the employee and the employer. We, we do look at other just flat Blue Cross or Blue Shield and Aetna just moving everybody over to those plans. And again, we have to weigh the options of what do the employees want? What is going to best serve the employees while being cost effective? Mm -hmm. And if it's not a big savings for the company, and the employees like CalChoice. They like having the options. They like to be able to pick HealthNet, Aetna, Blue Shield, Blue whatever's offered that year, they like that option. They mm -hmm. like to buy up. Right. And what about the rest of you? What What do you want? What do you need? Well, you know, as a we have a fully um, self-insured program mm -hmm. with a with a large population of Hispanic um, workers. <clears throat> Most of them are low wage field workers. And so we offer a, an MVP plan, which is a you know an affordable plan that meets all the legal requirements, and as well as an EPO. But you know, as far as you know, our, our focus is we have to be competitive with the industry number one, because our competitors are all offering various plans. And as a service company, we, we have to adjust our pricing to our customer. We have to pass these costs along. So we we want to keep it competitive. But I, I would say that the most important component is we want to make sure that from year to year, the employees copay doesn't change. Okay, we've really been focused on that with Andrea and figuring out ways and then being self-insured we, we can you know we have some control over over our plan benefits which we've adjusted those. Dorothy's been very helpful in helping us understand you know what what matters and what doesn't matter like birth control for example was one of the first things we, we talked about way back when and you know offering that versus not offering that we had the ability to make some decisions that allowed to give our employees the best benefits at the lowest co-pays. Because really, at the end of the day, these, these yeah. employees, they're looking at their paycheck. Right. You know, it comes down to, yeah, so a lot of companies it does, it comes down to what the know, employees pay. All, yeah. all pre-tax, obviously. But, right. you know, you know and, but we've been very successful in, in managing their co-pays. And I think the employees, you know, they, they care about the coverage. They do. But they really care about the bottom line of their paychecks. Right. And so we, we really try to focus on things that can keep our cost down to the employees and also to the, to the company, but more to the employees. That's been our, our number one conversation we have every year is what are we going to do with the co-pays? Mm -hmm. the, the, the amount, the, uh, the contributions, the employee contributions yes. that people take out of their paychecks. Bill, did you want to? Yeah, like, can I add, you, know, Jim, you, you made a perfect point in being competitive. You know, the, the most successful companies you know, tend to attract the best people. 
and you attract the best people, you've really got to offer a benefit package that, that in my mind, is, is at least the same as your competitor, or, or in many cases, exceeding it. It sounds like you're doing that with the, with the copay program that you got in last. So I think that's probably the most important thing that I, I like to see and follow all the time is to make sure that our benefit package is always always at, at market or better than market. In most cases, you want it better than market. You want to be competitive in that area. While at the same time, of course, you know, you got to keep, keep the costs in line and keep the bottom line. So you said, Dorothy, you asked, what do you need and what do you want? Um, low cost per employee. I think it's, a, it's pretty common. I think we'll all agree to that. Uh, absolutely want the highest benefit, right, everybody? Um, continuous, meaning I, I, our employees don't want change. They want the same thing. They want continuous coverage. They like to show up to the doctor. They like continuous service. And, uh, and then the most important thing to us, because uh, your people are your company, is, is something, something our employees really value. Especially when they start comparing with their friends and neighbors and all that kind of stuff and start thinking about leaving companies. We don't want them to leave, we want them to stay. And, and medical plans and that are a major part of that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't recall an employee ever coming, interviewing with our company and, say, and making the decision not to work for us because our benefits were less than our competitors. So it's, it's very important to make sure that they're yeah, equal or better. We don't hear that. So we know that, that that's kind of the, the litmus test for us is we know that our benefit package is consistent because we know people are looking at that. That's a big decision, especially when they've got a family and, and, and you know multiple children. You know that, That's a big consideration. And so we, we haven't heard that, that someone's made a decision not to come work for our company based on our, that our benefits, let's say, weren't as, as good as our competitors. Do you think that your employees... Yeah wants and needs are similar to what the corporation's wants and needs are? Is that, do you, do you think you're consistent with that? Ashley's smiling. Ashley's smiling, she has. I think it, to some degree, yes, because they definitely understand that they don't want to like, um, you know, just give large chunks of their paycheck in order to get adequate health care. And if we share that same like-mindedness, yeah, then we are on the same page as the employee. But... I think employees often, um, like, you know, has been said already at the table that they don't like change, they like the consistency, and often in the landscape and the environment of healthcare, I don't know how it is with your companies, but our company has made some, like, carrier changes over the last five years, um, just due to cost and things that, that are, like, not really healthy for our bottom line, we had to move to a lower plan, we do buy-up plans and things like that, but when we've made those changes, where we are trying to keep that co-pay locked in like you were describing in your self-insured plan with us we are kind of at the mercy of different you know uh, we don't get to make those decisions right. as, the insurance indi as independently yeah. and uh, we um, when we have to do that we often have to switch brands and when you do that there's a there's sort of a uh, feedback about yeah, that like a, and, yeah. and, and honestly it's been an interesting um, little odyssey as far as like how upset that can uh, create how upsetting it is for your employees sometimes right. when you do change things but you're trying but the bottom line for us has always been well we're trying to keep you at your cost so you're not injured in your cost um, so that's been a little frustrating yeah but I think that ultimately to back to your original question I think they do um, share the idea that they want to have access to adequate care you know at a reasonable cost and that their family can have that support through the medical benefit as well, and that you should be, as an employer, offering something reasonable to them. And we try to do that whenever we can. We try to give them an array of plans, actually, yeah. to, to uh, consider. I think, well, we work with, we have a lot of employees, 
and with a lot of employees comes a lot of differing opinions, mm -hmm. differing family situations, different uh, values. So I think there's a lot of people that do appreciate uh, our goals of also keeping uh, the employee contributions as low as possible. But I also feel that there's there's always, you know, we had changes with Affordable Care Act. So that changed, huge changes, um, yeah. you know, parts of our plan that affects all companies, right? Right. But employees don't know that. They are, they're employed by your company, so that's what they see right now. Um, and they compare it maybe to old companies or maybe to what the plan was. So depending on the changes and how it affects it, some employees would prefer, um, you know, a different, like, Add chiropractics, add these drugs, add um, you know without without thinking of, about cost because to them it's what's most important to them. Right, so care. they would pay yeah. you know twelve hundred dollars for themselves and be happy with it. And then there's other employees that are maybe a single mother right. who needs something that can take care of herself so she can take care of her children and she can't afford that type of a copay. So I think that with any change that an employer makes, whether it's changing the plan or whether it's changing the copay, there's always going to be a group of employees who are unhappy about it. And I think the kind of our big picture goal is how can we please the most amount of employees and make sure the most amount of our, you know, the, the highest percentage of our employees are what's going to be helpful to the, right. to the biggest percentage. Right. Um, and we kind of have to go with that. That's, that's, those are tough decisions though that have to be made. Mm -hmm. very, tough. very tough. It's, did anyone else want to comment on that? Because I'd like to share some surveys with you. And see. Well, you mentioned about consistency of your carrier. Mm -hmm. We have had the same um, network, I believe it's um, Anthem, Anthem. Mm -hmm. for how many years now? I mean, as long as I can remember. Well, we were, yeah, for probably about 10 years. Because yeah. we were PHCS, yeah. I think, yeah. before. Right, before yeah. Anthem so, opened yeah. up to, to... That's a really big deal because, you know, you hear... You know, yes. get the directory of doctors, and you know, from year to year, you know, if you change your carrier, that really, that, that's probably the biggest impact to people. That's probably a bigger impact than the copay. Yeah. You know, the fact that I, yeah. is my, I hear this question, is my doctor in that, yeah. in the new directory? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, yeah. So we, I think that keeping the consistent coverage year to year, mm -hmm. the network that you're in, so that, um, and I, I'll take so a female can continue to see her her, her OBGYN. I mean, that's a big deal. I, I think that's probably one of the biggest. And I always tell people, yeah. you know, um, you know, when when you come, just check. They ask that question: is 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 my OBGYN in in the in the network? Because that's a big deal. Because because right. frankly, the guys don't really care. Yeah. You know, the guy, it, it, the, the women care about that. And so I think that's a big deal. So if you stay consistent with your program, you don't run that risk of. Of, of telling a woman that oh by the way you have to change your you know your personal right. doctor that, that's right. a big deal well I, I'd like uh, Bill to speak up because he's chomping at the bit over here and he's <laughs> he's got something to say on this who's your OBG now Jim uh, well, we, we went the other direction we had Blue Cross for many many years and then we uh, we actually made the switch here just a couple months ago to reference based pricing which we'll talk about later which is really an open network architecture whereby our employees can actually go to any doctor they want and, and get services. And we'll get into more of that later on with Presume, so I don't want to get into most of the details. But what I'll share with you a success story that's uh, most important to me. It's, it's my wife who was up in Seattle this week, 
and she had a problem with her eye, and so she had to go to the doctor, right? And naturally, everybody knows out-of-state stuff is a problem, we got, you know, all this kind of stuff. So she shows up to the optometrist or whoever. She, she calls down here to, to Orange County to, to our provider here, and her provider goes, oh yeah, we're gonna pay 130% of Medicare, it's completely covered. The woman up there behind the counter said, that was, that's the best insurance I've ever heard of. You can go anywhere in the United States without any restrictions. So, so anyway, and, and it's, and it's awesome. yeah, it is, and it's capped at yeah, it's capped at a Medicare rate. Better than a PPO, isn't it? It is. It is actually better than a PPO. So we're moving that direction. We'll share more of that. Yeah. But not to say, but you, to your other point, which is really valid, I mean, consistency they brought out in the beginning, staying with yeah. Blue Cross, same doctors, same folks. Our, our employees, our employer, especially, especially you know, in our case, we have, we have predominantly male-dominated workforce. They're not going to the doctors. It's their wives and their families. And the poor wives sit, sitting there trying to take the kids to the doctor, and they got to change it up every every month or every year. It's just not. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I because we we're talking about you know the differences between what the corporation wants and needs are, and the difference between that and what the employee needs and wants are. I thought I would share some surveys uh, with you guys um, because they're quite interesting. The first couple things I'm going to hand out to you. Um, are just what HR believes are the most important to the workforce, and you're going to see that by far healthcare is number one. And then there's another chart here that was put out by, um, and that was from the SHRM, by the way, the SHRM 2019 Employee Benefits Survey. And then I'm also handing out a MetLife 17th uh, Annual Employee Survey uh, Trend Study for 2019. And on both of these reports, you will see that by far health insurance is the most important benefit that employees look for. I'm going to also hand out just a very simple summary of some of the uh, SHRM information that talks about job satisfaction, that 63% of the employees view health care is very important, 31% say they're very satisfied with their health care, and so forth. And then quoting some of the information from MetLife's um, annual study, um, that 80% of employers say benefits play an important role in building and sustaining uh, workplace culture. So I'm going to hand these out just so that you have them, and again, that's very valuable, I think, information. But the ones I want to talk about most is because we all have this idea of what our employees want. And, and I think probably the closest one to this is, is Andrea because she's right in the front lines and, and Ashley has been and, and Catherine have been also uh, with their jobs kind of in dual roles um, with HR and, and operations and finance. Okay, so I've given you a couple of different um, charts here. First figure 19, and again, this is from actually from the Kaiser Family Foundation. Figure 19 shows the cost factors rated more important now than in, 20, in uh, 2003, and benefits and provider choice was, believe it or not, less important. So let's go through this and say what, what it talks about here is um, the percent who say each of the following is most important feature to them and their family and their health insurance plan. And in 2003, 11% said that the low monthly premium was the most important. In 2018, 25% of the people said that the lowest cost premium is the most important thing. Okay, so that's different. That's a big drastic change from, 20, from 2003 to 2018, going up 15, in 15 years, 11% to 25% saying the monthly premium that they pay out of their paychecks is, the most, is more important. And then you get into other things like a low annual deductible. And in 2003, 6% said the low annual deductible was the most was more important. And in 2018, 18% said that it was more. So again, looking at the differences in costs, okay? Um, 2003, 16% said low co-pays are, are more important. And again, in 20, that's the one thing that has not changed. 2018, again, 16% say low co-pays. 
And then you get down here into the wide range of benefits. In 2003, having a wide range of benefits, 33% said that was important. 17% in 2018. So in other words, it's gone down, okay, um, in percentage since 2003. So 2003, they were more interested in the wide range of benefits. Today, they're not as interested in the wide range of benefits. They're, if you look above, what they're more interested in is saving money out of their paychecks. So the wide range of benefits isn't as important to employees nationwide as it was in 2003. So people's idea of the benefits they have versus the amount that they pay is starting to change. And I think that's, I think a big part of this is the fact that the networks are now having more network choices, more narrow network choices, or you can buy a large wide network, or you can buy a more restricted network and you save more money on your premiums, of course, which means they save, save money on their contributions that they pay, they pay out of their paycheck. And I think over time, employees have gotten more and more used to that. So I just wanted to show this to you because in 15 years, this has changed quite a bit. And the really important thing also here on this figure 19 from Kaiser, um, the Kaiser Family Foundation is, if you look at the bottom here, it says, on the wide choice of doctors and hospital, 27% in 2003, and in 2018, 10%. So again, people are getting more and more used to offering fewer providers because they just had to make that change because of the more restricted networks, okay? So I, I wanted you to understand that this is what the national services surveys are saying from Kaiser F uh, Foundation, and also we've got one here from uh, some others as well. But um, the bottom line is, is things are changing. So if you look at 20, figure 20, compared to 2003, cost is now rated more important, and choice of providers is less important than plan choice, okay? So among those who had a choice of more than one insurance plan, percent who say each is the main reason why they pick their plan versus the other choices offered, okay? Now, you guys are looking at a lot of skewed numbers here, and those of you that are listening to this podcast, is obviously you don't have a diagram in front of you, but in 2003, the cost of the plan um, was 21%, the choice of providers was 38%, the range of benefits 25%, easy to understand was 5%, and other reasons were 8%. Now in 2018 that's changed because where it was in 2013 it was 21% on the cost of the plan is now 36% in 2018. What was 38% in 2003 is now 20% in, 20, uh, in 2018 on the choice of providers. In 2003, it was 25% of range of benefits, and in 2018, it's 30% of range of benefits. So I wanted to point this out to you because things are changing with the employee population, and we've always kind of had this preconceived notion that you have to offer the most amount of doctors possible, but that is really starting to go away because of the plans offering more and more narrow networks. So they're just getting used to it. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there as a consideration that you may not have seen. And there's here, um, figure 21 was a preference split between plans with higher or lower premiums and out-of-pocket costs. Again, this again was from the Kaiser Family Foundation. 52% said relatively low monthly premium and higher out-of-pocket costs when you use care. And 47% relatively high monthly premium and lower out-of-pocket costs when you use care. And then they also broke it down by income levels of less than 40,000 uh, 40, per year and then forty to 75,000 per year and 75,000 or more, and more uh, per year. And you'll see that the way it's skewed here is that when they're lower incomes, they, again, 40% low monthly premium, 58% 
higher out-of-pocket uh, costs when you use care. So again, you can break it down here by, by uh, income levels as well. And I thought that was just food for thought because of the way people are thinking. There are also important things that we're doing in the marketplace today, and, and Bill touched on this, and that is that, um, you know, if, you, if you, you're in a situation where you're tied into a PPO network, you are at the mercy of that network. So if you do have to change plans if you're fully insured, again, you're trying to do that massive change of, of going from one network to another, are all my doctors covered, my wife's doctors covered, because correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times decisions are made on the executives' families. I hate to say that, but is that not true? That true. If, they're, if their spouses are, I mean, their kids, doctors aren't covered, they don't want to use that network, right? True. Small employers, boy, every time. Yeah. The president has the final say, so. That's, I mean, that generally has historically been the way to go. You don't have as many options in the small boot market and in the fully insured market as you do in the self-insured market and the larger group market. But in the, in the, in the large group market and when you're self-insured, you have absolute plan, you know, ability to change your plan, create your plan, uh, modify your plan anytime you want to, and you can make all the decisions on that situation, right? So if you want to have a better network, a broader network, you can have that. If you want to make your network smaller, you can do that without having the restriction of what the insurance carrier is offering, obviously. And now today, with the addition of something relatively new, started in 2013-2014, um, it started in the east and, and southeast and midwest and moved gradually to the west coast is something called, as Bill mentioned, reference-based pricing, where you can literally, if you want to, eliminate the network completely and just allow people to go anywhere they want. It still saves massive amounts of money because it's, the savings are 20 to 30% usually over the PPO, the best PPOs. Um, so you can do that. And you, you tie it to a Medicare rate, which is easy to understand, it's transparent, people know exactly what they're spending. And I'm just throwing that out, this ideas today, things that have changed. And again, looking at the difference, we're comparing 2003 to 2018. In 2003, reference-based pricing didn't even exist. Today it exists. And it's just a way that if you're in a large, if you, as you move into a larger group market, um, you might want to consider something like that because you can tie it to Medicare rates, which are known, which are common, which are, you know, Right now, hospitals are generally charging in Southern California approximately 600 to 900% of Medicare for hospital facility charges. The PPO networks, you're probably seeing uh, PPO rates 300 to 500 or 600% of Medicare. Okay? A lot of the reference-based pricing plans are the facility costs are down as low as 140% of Medicare. So you can see where the savings are and those types of things. And I just wanted to bring these things out because... You want to take a look at these surveys and see what your employees are. And does, does it surprise you at all, these surveys that I gave you? Did it surprise you on your concepts of what you think the employees want? That's why I asked you the question. Did that surprise you at all? Did you, was anyone surprised? Not at all. This is actually, it makes perfect sense here. I mean, right now what we're saying is that the employees are more, cons more concerned about keeping their, their, their hard-earned dollars in their pocket right now on the upfront premium and taking the chance of paying, you know, health care costs on the back end. Yeah, and deductibles. I mean, which tells me that they're they're not anticipating going to the doctor. They're just they're, they're going to control their own health care by foregoing a, a doctor's visit that they otherwise would have gone to. Well, I you think know? a part of that too is because the rates keep going up. Yeah. You know, back in two thousand three, you weren't paying a hundred and twenty dollars a, a paycheck for your family. You were you know, paying less. Now the rates just every year ten. 15, 20%, they keep going up and up and up. Since we switched to CalChoice, which Dorothy and Advanced Benefit got us over on CalChoice, the rates have only gone up 7 or 8%. But still, 
they're going up and those rates get passed on to the employee so they have less money to take home and now they're willing to forego some benefits to keep their their costs right. down right you know one of the unique things about our company is that a large percentage of our population is Hispanic we live close enough to the Mexican border and these guys are going across the border to get their health care mm. and especially by their prescriptions and they just they'll opt out of, they'll actually opt out of the plan and just to take their chances and go down there, get their and not not go to the doctor and get the prescriptions over the border. Yeah, at almost you know, a fraction of the cost. Yeah, and I, that 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 will happen. That does happen. Uh, Bill, did you have something you wanted to add to that, or no? No, I think I probably could add one point. Um, if you go back, you know, pre ACA, where we had flexibility in our plan, we we're self insured. We had a pretty unique thing. We'd actually sit down with an employee group. And go through and break down the cost of the plan for the year, talk about benefit changes, and do all this stuff with a smaller group. Then filter it out to our 300 employees. And it was pretty engaging. Because really, from that point forward, they took control over the cost of our plan, and they understand it today. Because I, I'm like just like Jim. Jim's talking about keeping the cost down for our employees. And in my case, I'm committed to doing 20% of the cost of the plan for the employees at all times. I'm not going higher. I'm not going lower. And the employees know that, so that. They have skin in the game to actually control the cost, and believe me, they do. They, they go in network, they, they use express scripts for prescriptions, they do the things that any reasonable person would do when it's their money instead of somebody else's money. And so, so yeah, so no, employees really care about costs, and, 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 and as, as much or not more than, than probably more than what, what, what companies do. Right. Did anyone else have anything to add there? Well, we definitely saw a shift in our, in our uh, what was important when we were offering the benefits because our... Our uh, business growth uh, suddenly is attracting a younger employee. And so, you know, when you are um, employing people that are in their early 20s um, and you are, they are less likely to go to the doctor, they don't have as much frequency in that type of uh, relationship with a medical provider, they really don't want to spend the money just to check a box and say that they're compliant with the ACA and that they've, you know, accepting the offered uh, plan through their employer. So they are looking at it from a cost perspective more than I've seen in years prior when we had a more um, a variety in our in our employees in their ages and, and everything. And I think that really impacted us as we were like making some of the changes I mentioned earlier when we were moving from different carriers in order to like maintain uh, like some symmetry in the costs to the employee and uh, it was I think it has a lot to do with that and, yeah. I, and I think it's they want to retain like like uh, Jim was saying and um, Bill they want to retain as much money at the end of the day they don't want to be feeling like they're 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 injured because of our decisions of like these are the providers that you get to like pay to you know what right I mean? they want to um, look at it like okay I'm still my money still what I expected to get out of this job and right. I didn't have to pay a lot more for my health insurance that I use once a year, you know, or something like that. Because we don't have a lot of frequent flyers, as you may remember, in our in our healthcare plans. There's right. not a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. There's like a couple of like years where we had a lot of like intense services that, you know, would have impacted us if we went to a self insured plan. Right. And created a lot of like potential risk for us financially. Yeah. Well some companies just, just it just aren't just wasn't it wasn't good right. a good solution. And for then us. And that's and that's the point I want to make is because you know, every company is different. You have to analyze your consultant, your broker needs to analyze yes. and see what is best for you. Um, not every large company is going to be good, a good self-insured candidate. Their population, yes. their age distribution, yes. um, even their mindset. Um, I hate to say this, but it is somewhat true. High female populations generally have more claims 
in high male population. That's just that's just the reality of the situation. Um, so because you're dealing with more maternity expenses and things like mm -hmm. that, although obviously in dependent coverage, that's their dependence on, if you have high male population, obviously their dependent, uh, dependents may have those same expenses. But you have to take a look at each of those and, and figure out what's best for each type of plan, for each type of company. So yes, yeah, self-insurance does not work for everyone. It's a really great solution for a good percentage of large employers. Um, if you're over 100 lives, it's something that you definitely want to look at because over 100 lives, you're based on your own claims experience anyway. So why not at least <laughs> examine self-insuring? And you can do all these things and customize your plan options to um, customize everything from you know a blank piece of paper and decide what you want to cover in your plan, see where the federal requirements are. Um, in self-insurance, you don't have to worry about the state requirements, only the federal requirements. And then you can get into the financing of it, whether you want to use a PPO network. Um, Jim had mentioned they've been very successful in using their network for many, many years. Um, last year didn't seem to be a good time to, to move to reference-based pricing. It was still relatively early, and they have a high Hispanic population. So your population is a little bit different than Bill's population, where they did move to a reference-based pricing plan. And it was easier because of the level of understanding because there's education that goes along with that, making that kind of change. So I just want to point that out. So it's not, it's not one size fits all. Um, I want to move on, though, because we have a lot of other questions here I want to get to with you guys. Um, let me ask you, what bothers you most, if anything, related to benefits? What bothers you as a decision maker for your companies? What bothers you? Why do the costs keep going up? <laughs> That's fair. Does anything else bother you? Or is it all about costs? to explain the cost to the employee. Sorry, here's why you have to pay more. I don't understand. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I agree with you, Captain. Volatility and pricing is huge. Yeah. You know, just, just please tell me it's going to be the same next year, up 1 or 2%, not 10%, that kind of stuff. And the other thing that's really important is there's problems with service and payment. Um, employees have proper service and they get everything's getting paid and you don't hear a complaint. That's, that's a huge, huge win in the, in the medical thing. If you got if you got administrative problems and complaints not being paid and that that's a reflection on the plan itself and on the business that you have. So that's the other we like. It bothers us when I start to hear it. We don't hear it much, thank goodness, but we do hear it to get nervous. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Does anyone else have anything to add to that? Well Andrew mentioned earlier, you know, you get this this small you try to make decisions that, that, that really apply to the masses, you know. Mm -hmm. So the thing that bothers me the most is that there's a small group of people that rise up and and, and complain. Yeah. And and <laughs> and they, and they, they're, you know, absolutely, and, and it bothers we, all of us. Well, and, and that's, you know, how can we resolve that? We, I, I don't we can, I think we do the best we can, but that's, Just that's, talking to them you know, the best hand holding, uh, which yeah. Andrew is very, very good at that. That's the hand, and that's the problem is you're going to always have one or two that aren't going to be happy with the decisions. Some people, as I think it was Bill that mentioned earlier, some people just do not like change, regardless of what that change is, even if it's 10 times better. The fact that you're my business partner is that way, and I'm not afraid to say that, he'll admit to it. Um, some people just don't like change, you know, and uh, you just have to deal with that. Hand-holding is the best yeah, way. Yeah, very true, because I had an employee, he was willing to pay an extra 120 a month because he did not want to change a plan. Yeah. Just simply did not want to yeah. change a plan. I'll pay more, yeah, just give me what I want. But others say no, as, as we said in the surveys and everything you've said here today, that no, it's cost. It's all about cost. So it really depends, and you're going to always have that small population. So, yeah, and I agree. Um, I think human resources is where you've got to go to solve those problems. Um, they've got to be the ones that they're the front line to the employee and uh, that's why Andrew I'm actually glad that you're here with us today because that that sort of thing falls on your shoulders all the time and we appreciate you I just want you to know that 
I appreciate you because you helped me through all of that as well. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so uh, let me ask you this, and you may not want to answer this, and it's okay if you don't want to ask her, but answer it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What do you fear most in your position as it relates to your health benefits? What, what are you kind of afraid of? What are you leery of? Is anyone brave enough to... I mean, you mean as far as personally or just as, as the employees of the company? In your position, um, in your company, what do you fear most about benefits? Catastrophes. Catastrophes? Yeah. Maybe making the wrong decision? Maybe making decisions no. people don't agree with? I mean, I'm just throwing things out there. No, I, I don't think we feel we fear necessarily making the wrong decision because um, we do have a lot of your guidance and expertise. We've worked together for a long time. Um, I think it's more of, um, as when Jim says, catastrophes, like multiple people with extremely high claims is what I'm thinking that we were talking about. Well, yeah, that, like, but you know, the unknown. I mean, you know, being self-insured, you have this unknown. Right. The, the thing I fear the most is that there's going to be this unknown. You can't plan for it. You right. cannot actually plan. And so we have a, we have a specific, I've heard, what, 100,000? Yes. And, and, you know, 100,000 specific. The first 100,000 dollars of the claim, you, you just, the unknown, That's how many of those are going to hit? What, like, what if there's an earthquake mm -hmm. and it hits a central area and there's all these people who are severely injured or, right. but not even that, what if there's a random weird thing where everybody's sick and we've got multiple people in the hospital for, you know, 20 days at a time just by fluke? To me, that's what scares me the most because that that throws everything out of whack, and you can't. I right. mean, we have great years, and we have a great plan. It's been performing well for a long time, but you know, that's the. You feel like you know, almost like you're rolling the dice. You can only have so. My my son plays baseball, and he doesn't want to play because he's gotten hit in the face like five times, and now he's scared. I'm trying to explain to him. Well, most kids get hit in the face like five times over ten years. You've just got it all in one in the first year. Yeah. So you know, it's always kind of a gamble. You never know. We don't want to get hit in the face, you know, five times in one year. Right. So See, being self-insured, if we were fully insured, I, I, I wouldn't have that fear. Uh -huh. Because you know, there's just there's just a, you're just paying what you're paying, and that's just it. But you know, we're on the hook for the first hundred thousand, and so we see these these ebbs and flows. But over the course of a year, it kind of levels itself out. But you know, we are we're gambling. The fear we have is the gambling. Yeah. Thing. But but has it? Let me ask you this: You've been self-insured. Well, I've been working with you on your self-insured plan since two thousand two. Since two thousand two, how has it paid off, and has it been worth the risk? It's paid off in, in dividends, absolutely. Yeah. But the risk is still there. You asked the question was yeah. what, what do we fear the most? Yeah. I fear the, the worst. Well, it's it's <laughs> natural to have a fear because yeah, you're gonna look at the short run, you're gonna look at the fear. Is, is it gonna happen to me this year? You're gonna you're always worried about especially when you're self insured. It does, yeah, it doesn't mean you want to change. No, it just, it just means, means you have that you're fear. Asking what's the fear. So okay, well, when you have the fear otherwise everything's right. fantastic. Right. So when you have the fear, what do you do to protect what what do you do to make sure that you're protected? What is it that you do to make sure that if that if the worst case happens, what do you what do you do? Well, it's never, it's never, it's never okay, happened. I, 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 okay. I call you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, by the way, I think, think you've already done that. So, so, so exactly that that is one of the fears of being self-insured. And yes, on a given month when you see your claims rocket up, uh, on a given month your heart goes down in your stomach somewhere. But uh, but I have to look at. I, I actually brought some numbers in over time. Over, 
I've run a ten-year stadium that through my head it's put together. But uh, the, our 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 plan is consistently the costs have been probably thirty percent lower than a fixed cost plan. And I look at that. our average net cost. That's after employees reimburse about twenty percent of it. Ten years ago it was nine thousand one hundred dollars, and believe it or not, this year it's projected to be nine thousand six hundred dollars. It's right around the same cost. So self-insurance is good. And to Jim's point. We do have some stop stop gaps in there. We have, we have you know we have the specific in there for an employee, and then we have an aggregate in right. there. Right. But that's 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 the one I don't lose sleep over because I know if it hits that aggregate point, even in that worst case, that aggregate point in my name and mine is probably about 110 to 120 percent of a fixed cost in that given year. So I know that I'm not really paying that. Even if everything fell apart and the aggregate picked up that difference, we'd be okay. In it. That's because the plan design set up right. I get to sleep a little better. I think, I think you're okay. I always recommend, as you guys know, I and for those of you that are self-insured, I always recommend both specific and aggregate. And some people do, and some some consultants will go out there and say, just you, only, you don't need an aggregate, just get a specific, and you'll be fine. Cover the individual person at a certain specific stop loss, and you'll be fine. You don't ever have to worry about the aggregate because it's designed. To never hit it, and, and and there is obviously some logic to that. But I, again, if, it, if I were sitting in your position, um, I would want to know that I have that worst case scenario cap, and that's what your aggregate attachment point does. So, even, knowing that even if you have worst case scenario, that you'll be okay. The, the one other thing I like to bring up because it really did bother me for quite a few years, and it goes back to ten, been kind of thirty years. You know, for the last, you know, last ten years have been okay, but going back prior to that, our medical costs are going up. At, at, substantial rates, you know, between the five, six, seven percent a year, to where it was really like, man, we're paying, you know, a, basically more in medical costs. We couldn't really afford to give our employees raises, and that's the one that really got me over that period of years, because that it's hard to tell employees I can't give you a base rate because there are medical costs. And I, I'm proud to say in the last ten years that hasn't been a problem, but that is still a fear that I have every single time I get yeah. a renewal. It's like, okay, what is this going to be? Can we at least keep it down so we can give our employees raises so that they can have more to spend, more disposable income. We definitely suffer from that as well. Like when the, the rates go up and we're we're locked in because our, our funding contracts are like basically through state agencies. So we don't have a lot of room to make decisions uh, around money with our uh, payment to employees. And when their costs go up for health insurance, we can't give them any extra money. Even if we've got an increase in our reimbursement rate, we can't, we get, we get stuck sometimes. And that's been hard too because, you know, it also like dips morale and you're talking about turnover and you're talking about all the things that sort of like make the wheels come to a screeching halt at some point as a business, you know, so it's all linked together. Yeah, me. yeah, it is. <laughs> Very much so. It is. As a fully insured small employer, the costs again and the fear is those costs going up and up and up and up. And then we lose benefits because we can't afford them anymore. And then right. Our employees are going to leave their jobs for another company who has better right. benefits. So we, we lose, right. you know, potential employees because the costs keep going up as a small employer we get hit with higher rates on the same plan that larger companies get mm-hmm. why you know this year 8.4 yeah. percent well you're, you're regulated by the state in Cal- state of california is a little uh but our employees different. get a three percent raise insurance costs went up 8.4 percent this year seven percent last year 
I mean, at some point, this has got to stop because the employees just can't keep taking more and more. Well, the trend alone is usually ranging between 6 and 11%. I believe it's around 6% right now. But you have to anticipate if trend is going up 6 to 10%, 11% a year, then your premiums are going to go up at least 6% a year in the fully insured market. So that's why, again, if you're large enough to do it, I, I think you can control your destiny a lot better in, in the, in the self-insured market over, over the fully insured. But again, some of you just don't have populations that can handle that. You don't have the, you're, you're risk averse. You don't want to do those types of things. So um, it, it all, this all comes down to what your, what is best for you and your company. Okay, well, thank you for your ideas on that. I want to uh, go forward a little bit because I think we've covered a lot of good ground here, but we're running out of time, so I do want to wrap this up. So I want to ask you, who guides you with, the, uh, with these kind of decisions and what kind of support do you get um, from these people? Where should executives go to get this guidance? And do you think everybody's getting the kind of support that they need? That's probably the easiest question of them all. <laughs> the last piece of the question, um, no, I don't think they... Are all getting the support they need because not all of them are, have hired you. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not going to blow smoke here, but I will tell you that, that our company, and Andrea and I have been doing this, Andrea's been with the company for 14 years. Um, I've been with the company for almost 40. And, um, you know, we rely heavily on the advice of our consulting, you know, advanced benefit consulting. And, and I'm going to say, I, I think that 10 out of 10 times they make a recommendation, we go with it. Um, and, and, you know, Dorothy is very well read. She's knowledgeable of the, of the laws and, and she keeps us legal. She keeps us compliant. Yeah. Um, and, she, and she's really very sensitive to our employees. She knows our population. So um, when it comes to guidance, I mean, it's really it's very simple for us. We, get, we have our meeting and they have great information. I mean, they, they lay it out where it's really understandable. And they say, this is where, you know, we need to go. And they, like the reference-based pricing, for example, we talked about that two years ago. Right. And last year, Dorothy brought it up again. She said, you know, you're not ready yet. Yeah. Okay. And, and I. And it's because of your population. Well, but, and, but I, I, I have confidence that when she says we're not ready, we're not ready. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to challenge her on that. And if she comes in this year and says we're, we're ready, mm -hmm. I'm going to, we're going to go with that. So, <laughs> well, we know. have more experience with it now. It's been around a lot longer. So we will be reintroducing re that, of course, with your renewal. But, um. That's something, but I appreciate the compliments. Thank you very much. Hopefully, um, I help you get some more business. Out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and just for those of you that are listening, I did not pay him to well, say that. Well, actually, she told me she split the commission. Today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thanks. I mean, this is not this is not Joe Biden. Up with the, uh, the president. Okay, but, we're not going to make a deal here. But we do lean into the partnership with our broker as well. Like the same, our company for many years has worked with Advanced Benefit Consulting and. And, you know, you're really great at helping us understand just the literacy of the plants, like just understanding, like, how to convey it to our employees, how to sell it to them, to get them excited about whatever we're offering. You're very good at helping us make any decisions that we need to make, whether it's continuing on with the brand that we were already, broke, you know, in contract with, or if we are going to make a change. And I don't think we could do it without guidance, honestly, because you are so invested in what you do and you're so aware of the landscape of all the changes and the upcoming changes and where the compliances need to be. And especially when ACA came in and that was such a shit show. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was just so frustrating for a lot of people, I'm sure, that worked with you at that time. And you were really gracious in helping us kind of navigate um, and, and get that going, especially when we had vendors that... Um, we're supporting us in other environments like I can say it like our payroll company 
they didn't have tools that were available to support those kinds of compliances. So we had to learn and right. be guided by your team, and that really helped us stay well, compliant. I'm glad, and, it, was, I'm glad and, it was helpful. <laughs> and, and offer affordable plans. And, and you remember the, you remember those training sessions that we had when yes. we pulled out the calculators and made yes. you guys do the calculations on the ACA, what was better to keep a plan, yes. pay the penalties, uh, or not pay the penalties. <laughs> yeah. well, we saw the penalty number. We were like, all right, then, we're done. You guys were all in those yeah. those sessions where we pulled yeah. out the calculators. Yeah. And did the <laughs> <laughs> my attorney, I remember my, my attorney, Marilyn Monaghan, she says, you're going to actually have them pull out calculators? I said, yeah. She says, she scratched her head. But afterwards, she says, wow, that worked. <laughs> I said, these people are numbers people. <laughs> not all of them. Not yeah. me. I'm not, actually, Jim, thank you, but I'm, I'm not as much of a numbers person. I'm more of a concept person. But Anthony does the crunching of the numbers. But um, <laughs> Bill, did you have something to say? Yeah. No, okay. Yeah, I was going to add that when you and Anthony come out and do the uh, open enrollments and renewals, I always felt you cared about the employees. You guys asked questions, what was going on with them, what specific needs did they have so you could guide them to a proper plan. You know, uh, if their concern was doctors, Nancy was right there looking up the doctor to tell them exactly which plan to go on. I don't get that from my current broker, and I keep trying to get it to switch back, to switch over to advanced benefits. And I'm going to keep keep at you to try to get you back. There was a lot of... Eventually, I will wear you down, and eventually, I'll get you back. I, you know what? <laughs> the president has to retire, and then it's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> I would have you guys in there in a, in a heartbeat. But, but I appreciate you being here, because you're not an existing client, and it's really nice to have um, to have you know ideas and, and conversation uh, and part, be part of this when, so that people listening know that, that this room is not entirely filled with 100% clients. Yes, we have worked together in yeah. the past, and I hope we will again. I was a client for many years. Ten, <laughs> 12 years or something when yeah. came over to PVA. Yeah. Um, but the company I'm at now, he's been friends with the broker for 30 years. The president is friends with the, you know, they, they go back a long way. So he has that dedication to that gentleman. And I respect well, that. Yes. Yeah. When I came in, and the first uh, enrollment that went through, I was like, oh, Lordy, this is going to be so much more work for me. Um, so what you're saying, we spoiled you, right? Pretty much, yes, <laughs> definitely. So the, the owner of the other company asked me, he said, well, if we, could, if we could do something better, what would it be? And I'm like, oh, get a pen and paper and sit down, because here's what I'm used to. You know, here's all of the wonderful things that were provided, all these comparisons, uh, knowing the employees, knowing the population that we have, and not that it's many, 35. Um, but, you know, having a good conversation about all that, and then if I'm going to jump ahead to the value added, Advanced Benefits and Consulting brought all these value added services, the seminars, the forms that were already filled out. I didn't have to go find anything. Mm -hmm. Our current broker tells me, here's uh, compliance. You guys sent a flyer that you have to be compliant with something. And I'm like, well, where's the form? <laughs> you know, I'm used to getting the form. Dorothy would just send us the form already filled out. Here's what you guys need to do. Here's when you need to do it. Here, you can send it electronically, or you have to have it in writing. I mean, she just lines it all out, makes everything so simple. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate I, that. I have to completely agree with that, that um, Dorothy and Anthony make it so much easier on us by providing the forms, having the laws outlined. But, I mean, on top of that, there's... Other things come up that are HR related, maybe not exactly a benefits thing, but I can't tell you how many times I have used Dorothy and Anthony as a resource. Do you know anything about this? And then if they right. don't, they will guide me into who might. And uh, we've just had even some 
10 to 5 things that come up and she's incorporated others to help us through the process and um, it's just it's phenomenal to have that type of a resource thank you to be able to call thank you yeah. and what about the rest of you what kind of value added are you guys looking for what's important to you as far as value added when you have these individuals that are or teams of people that are you're relying on who do you rely on most and what, what's the most value what, what do you need as far as value added I feel like we've already done. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, Andrew, we looked. I mean, what, what, what more value could we get? I mean, I, I no, honestly, I, agree. I, I don't, I don't think there would be. I mean, <laughs> you know, Dorothy, what, what you guys do is, you, you I, I look at you guys like an extension of our staff. I mean, you're mm -hmm. like, you're part of our company. Oh, thank you. You know, and and so if there's value to be added, you need, you come to us and tell us what that is. You're actually going to tell you what, I don't know, why don't, you, why don't you tell us what you can do more for us? <laughs> a big thing yeah. for us, Dorothy, that you do that is, is is the privacy training. That's a very big deal for us. And, and you do that, you know, you've done, you've accommodated us on, on a special situation on short notice. Yeah. And to get our employees, um, you know, trained so that we can have them do certain tasks that, that need to be done on a moment's notice. So. That's yep. a great value that, Thank you, you. that you offered. Thank you. You never told me about when we hired. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I when you hired when you hired me, privacy wasn't even the law yet, so that's probably why. But uh, yeah, I, I am definitely a compliance geek. I'll admit to that. Yes. Right? Uh, <laughs> yes, ACA, ERISA. <laughs> yes, um, also, all of those things. Never privacy. Seen a bill from you when, when you tap when you tap into Maryland. Our attorney. Yes, yeah. we do have a attorney. Uh, yeah. we, Yes, we do have an attorney on Mary, retainer. She doesn't charge us for that. I don't charge you for that. No. I haven't seen one. And we've had Marilyn help us with those filings, and, and, you know, we had whatever happened, you know, and the letters that came in, and she's drafted. Oh, the 226, yeah, the 226J letters, yes, when you're, when you're, when you're, when someone checked the wrong box, and right. you got the IRS coming at you and mm -hmm. saying you have a $2.2 .2 million penalty, right. potentially, yeah, or whatever it was. Oh, you got one of those, too? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, and Marilyn got it down to where they actually paid us $2.2 .2 million. <laughs> He's, he's joking. You got it down to zero. But, um, you know, you back, you back, that, that's a value that you add um, by, by bringing Maryland into the mix. Yeah, those yeah. extensions. Yeah, that's huge. a big deal right. for us. Thank you. Thank you. So, so so nice. Nice. I, you guys are awesome. I'll add a little more to it. So, so, so you're talking about HIPAA? Yes. You know, right now our employees are fully trained, compliments of Dorothy and your staff, which has been fantastic. But, but whether it be plan design, which is she designs the plans, normally, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, whether it be a problem, a business problem, where you got a specialized employee with them, we just hand it right over to Dorothy and Anthony, and, and they work directly through with the employee and work it through. These are things that most companies don't do. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then you got the industry analysis. You heard some of that today, and some of her, some of the stuff she did earlier than that. So you kind of summarize the whole thing and you bring it all back together. And we started this conversation at the beginning, and we were asked, "Hey, what do you value the most in the plan?" And you know, naturally, like it's a lot of its costs and trying to keep costs down for employees. And the other one's benefits, but, but uh, more importantly, it really is, it's an all-encompassing thing. It kind of circles back around, and the back side of this thing is really Dorothy and her group supporting it, training it, and developing it. And, well, that, that's what makes it complete. And in my mind, that's what makes me look really, really good. I mean, I, our costs are down, our employees are happy, I get to come here. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I go to work this afternoon, I don't know what I'm going to do. But, uh, <laughs> you got to wait for no, it. No, no, that's, that's what it's all about. And friendships and relationships, and I think that's, that's, uh, that's Thank why you. it's most important. Thank you. Well, let me just, because we're running out of time here, let me just ask you a couple of quick questions. What's better, self-funding or fully insured? I know you have various reasons for wanting, <laughs> for saying your answers, but it, yeah. 
Jim? Well, it's easy for us because we've been self-funded for 17 years. Yep. And you've done Actually, very well with it. That, yeah, so for us, it's, it's... 17 years with me. It was, yeah, but it was before that with Great West. Yeah. Or I'm going to say three years. So we've been self-funded for 20 years. And yeah. There's no question it's the best restaurant. And We're again, you have a large, large population, yeah. and it worked out well for yeah. you. And Bill? Yeah, same here. If you go back, it's probably been 20 years plus. I gave you some numbers that when I'm back and maybe go back and look at some numbers, our costs are really substantially lower than the board shirt. Yeah. And the last piece of being self-insured really gives our employees the ability to take some ownership and make it kind of fun and engaging instead of a fully insured plan where we just pay for service and do it. So, it's highly beneficial to us. Yeah. We ventured off now into reference-based pricing, and I have to say we've been into it now for a month. And we have absolutely zero, which is pretty phenomenal, zero problems. Nothing has gone wrong. It's 100% success. And so that, that for me is absolutely amazing. And a testament to Dorothy, her staff, our administrator, Evan, who's handling some of this stuff and the rest. Cheers to me. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> well, your, your sister your sister company was uh, self-funded, and they were yeah. reference-based price before you were. So you've had a little bit of experience with kind of leaning on them and seeing what their experiences were. And they've been saving quite a bit of money as well. So... Um, so, so far, so good. Um, obviously, some of you are self-insured. Catherine, you guys are much too small to be fully, or excuse me, uh, you're much too small to be self-insured, so you're obviously fully insured. Um, so there's, you don't have a lot of options at your yep. size, but given Sacramento. what's happening in, Ca in Sacramento <laughs> with the independent contractors law that may be coming down the pike, we've already talked about some options, the things that we can do to potentially help you as you go forward. If you do have to add all those independent contractors that you have uh, potentially how many of them? 110 or something? Yeah, 110. Of them so that's going to right overnight take you from the small group market to the large group market. So that's an entirely different. And we've already had some conversations about that, and that's a whole new podcast. You know what, just on that topic alone, it's a perfect example. Our current insurance broker has not said a word about what possibilities the insurance is, and Dorothy's already all over it and telling us, "Hey, this is something you want to <laughs> you want to look at if it if it yeah. comes down to it." That we have to yeah, and Ashley, you guys have been uh, fully insured because your plan's been fully insured because, again, because of your population. Yes. Because the yeah. type of people. And when we looked at the, the other option, you know, I was excited about it, but it wasn't going to be wasn't gonna work effective for right. what we're... So we did the best we could yeah. uh, in the fully insured environment. Yes. 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 So in two minutes or less, two minutes or less, because that's all the time we have, um, what are the best cost containment ideas you've had in the last five years? Bill. Yeah, so, so, so yeah. first and foremost, getting our employees involved in the cost of the equation. They understand it, they understand what the costs are, and they know the share. So, so that's been beneficial. Prescription mail order has been huge for us. I mean, it really has substantial savings in that area. Our employees, it's well received. They really like it. And, and a, lot of, a lot of them are like, gosh, we should have done this years ago. Hospitalization and utilization review, we use that quite a bit to save costs. Uh, we have, when we have the tougher, tougher situations where a major medical condition, we'll get the utilization review and, and get them engaged and we, we've had substantial savings doing that and, and then I know we're new to this but uh, this reference price pricing the, the, I think there's going to be some huge substantial savings I've seen some early returns already and, and even in our fixed cost component of our of our self-funded plan is, is substantially less than, than the other costs so right so a lot of the nice thing is, is it continues to evolve it continues to change and, and, and ideas are always being brought to the table to do that mm -hmm. yes does anyone else have any closing remarks on cost containment? We mentioned prescription. Um, really driving the generic brand mm -hmm. and really making that the way to go. Mm -hmm. 
and, and you know, sometimes um, you know you can't get the generic, and they've got to go to the I think what they call the preferred or the, preferred brand or the brand, know, the brand. But, but brand. We've been very successful on, on developing our, our outline, so it really drives the employees in the generic mm-hmm. prescriptions. That's a big chunk of our of our monthly cost. Yeah, prescriptions are huge. So that that's the generic. Components. We're having a podcast only on just on prescription stuff. Yeah. Just uh, just a stuff that's a topic of its of itself. Yeah, I think also for us it was kind of it was a new concept to have the two different plans to do uh, the core plan, mm-hmm. and then that was yeah the ACA the, right the, that, yeah, through, that was driven by the ACA by yeah the need to be able to insure everybody because we were looking at I mean the, it was the cost was made astronomical you guys had to add you, you guys had to add coverage to we had to offer coverage to an extra almost thousand people to your plan right so at and, one time yeah bringing in with you know through your advice you're advising us and um, educating us on it that we did the core plan that meets all the minimum requirements right but still also having a buy-up plan which is a plan that everybody's been used to and then they could make the choice of you can keep the same, you know, costs have increased because of this change um, right now, and you can keep the same plan by, but you're going to have to buy up. You're, you are going to have to pay more, but we have a lower prof, lower cost plan option as well. Yeah. So I think that was a pretty huge thing for our company. Employees dropped down to the lower. They went from the upper plan to the lower. Right, and what they have is a minimum value plan that we put in um, with a higher deductible and. and um, generic only uh, drugs and so forth. It's a very low cost plan, right. um, but it met all of the uh, ACA requirements. It's all yeah, yeah. And, and they basically were able to um, tie their affordability calculations for the ACA to that plan. And then the buy up plan again is more expensive, but uh, that that allows you to have a plan offered right. to everyone, even when you had to add a big chunk of population, big chunk of population at one time, like you did. All right, well, we're, we're out of time here, but I want to thank you all so much for being part of my roundtable today. And as I said, we're going to release this as our first podcast in our podcast series, because what what more appropriate way to in, to introduce a benefits executive roundtable than to have an actual executive roundtable on benefits. So thank you very much for all of your time. I really do appreciate it. And if you have questions, you can visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3, toll-free at 866-658-3835, or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.